we feel that we haven't done enough, that we were lazy, that we were, you know, excerpt whatever word you want to use. But so much of us are you know, are tied to this idea that in order to be worthy, we need to be highly productive. And it's, it's harming us in, in many ways. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey there, and thank you for tuning into another episode of I'm Not Your Shrink. I am so glad that you are tuning into today's episode as I am joined by Dr. Sarah Vadebanker. She helps women reboot their thyroid for energy they can count on. She is the owner of Docere Naturopathic Clinic located in the heart of Little Italy here in Ottawa, and she has been working for the past decade to help women who are suffering from fatigue, thyroid conditions, and hormone imbalances. Her mission is to help women get back to a healthy, happy, feel-good life. Dr. Sarah believes health is the result of creating new habits one small step at a time, and she helps make lifestyle changes feel possible and enjoyable, and she truly believes that coffee, chocolate, and wine, all of my favorite things, can be part of a healthy diet. This episode is such an important one. If you are a woman, if you are experiencing stress, if you are living in this pandemic right now. Now, before we dive in, I want to remind you that I want to hear from you. The challenge about podcasting is that I don't get to see if you like the episode, what you thought of it. Head over to iTunes and leave me a review or take a screenshot of you listening to today's episode and be sure to tag me at dr.tracyd on Instagram or at dr.tracydalglish on Facebook and let me know what you thought and that you're listening. Okay, let's dive into today's today's episode. Dr. Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me today. I so appreciate you joining me here on the podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Before we get started on today's topic, why don't we start with you telling us three things about you that make you uniquely you? Sure. One which I think is quite relevant to what we'll be talking about today is that I am not immune to the impacts of stress. And just before we kind of jumped on this call, I was saying how I had a a massage this morning. And one of the things that I think is really important to share as a practitioner is that I am not perfect. (laughs) Even (laughs) though I have lots of knowledge and tools at my disposal, I am still, you know, prone and impacted by the same types of stresses and other concerns that other women have. And specific to today's topic, like I'm someone who has a tendency to completely overschedule myself and to overdo it. You know, I've got big goals and ambitions. So a lot of times I create kind of situations for myself where I end up being, you know, more highly stressed than I probably need to. 
I can absolutely relate to that. And I know so many of the listeners can as well. And actually, I was looking at your Instagram and was caught immediately with one of your posts there. If you don't want to burn out, stop living like you're on fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but and, most of us live like we're on fire. Yeah. And, and truly mm-hmm. the, the importance here of really humanizing practitioners that we mm-hmm. do struggle and have things that we have to fight up against and definitely being that ambitious driven person wanting to be able to do all the things, it's a good reminder that we also have to manage how Mm -hmm. we live our life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, a big part of what I try to do is I try to live by example. So Mm -hmm. when I'm recommending things or I'm talking about things in my Instagram, like I try to, to be personal and I try to show people that like, I'm still working on myself all the time, you know, just because I'm a naturopathic doctor doesn't mean, you know, I eat in a certain way or I do, you know, X, Y, and Z in a certain way. Um, I'm always trying to, you know, remind myself of the the basics of health and to kind of make those a priority in, in my own life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to point number two, which is that I, I fundamentally believe that we need a more balanced approach to health. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that if you go on Instagram or you go online right now and you look up any type of health condition, you're going to find extremes, right? When we look at nutrition, it's not enough that we tell people to eat fruits and vegetables. We need to take it to the extreme where people are like keto or they're vegan or they're this or they're that, right? So we tend to forget that most people would benefit from just doing things in a more moderate and balanced approach. Same thing with exercise. It's like everything that we do, it's all or nothing. And I think we're actually causing a lot of harm, especially for women with that type of approach where people feel like if they're not doing it perfectly or they're not doing it, you know, in the extreme way that others are recommending that they feel like they're failing or that they're not doing anything at all. So I really try to use a more moderate and balanced approach again in the way that I live and in the way that I try to, to help my patients as well. I, I love that you're saying this. One of the common thinking errors or um, maladaptive thoughts we get stuck in is that all or nothing thinking that it's either mm-hmm. I have to do all of this or it's a failure or it has to be perfect or it doesn't count or it's just the extremes. And we really lose what it means to live in the gray space and, and how that could be really healthy for us. Absolutely. And I mean, I see this all the time with like health, right? Like people aren't going to bed on time. They're not eating vegetables. They're not drinking water. And yet they want to jump on keto or they want to take some supplement or like join CrossFit. Mm. But if you just focus on the basics, you're sleeping well, you're eating well, you have, you know, healthy relationships and you're managing your stress. You often don't have to do the kind of more extreme stuff because you're actually getting all the benefit. And that's been a really interesting thing for me to observe in my practice because I've been doing this now for 10 years that once you do this long enough, you realize the most powerful things are the most basic things, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, I'm actually kind of swinging back in my practice to focus on some of these like foundational pieces that when they are done consistently and they're done well, they can literally change your life. They can change your health. Um, so I'm, I want to focus on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. important. Number three. Number three is that community and my community that I've built has been instrumental in getting me through 2020. Oh, yes. (laughs) This is a hard year, and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit more um, for a variety of reasons. But one of the things that has helped me stay healthy mentally, physically, emotionally has been that I have an, an amazing community 
especially of women that surrounds me. And those have been people that have been through me throughout the entire year. Um, you know, some of these people are colleagues that helped me when we had to shut down all our businesses in March. Mm-hmm. Some of these people are friends who I've, you know, been walking and talking with regularly throughout the pandemic. But community is so important. And I think this year highlighted that more than ever of how important our relationships and our community is. Mm-hmm. Gosh, it's so important. This year has really thrown everybody for a loop and, and truly no one could prepare for what this time is going was going to be like or still mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that we have that solid connection with, with our partners, with our family, with our community, right? There's different layers of community. It's mm-hmm. really important for our overall health, right? Not just our mental health, but overall how mm-hmm. we're doing. Yeah, community is really interesting. And one of the things that I learned, which was shocking and which really got me interested in community, is that social isolation and loneliness are more dangerous for your health than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that great research? It's just so incredible. It's so incredible. So like, you know, it's, I'm not going to say building community is easy, but if you look at it, it's one of these things that we were designed as humans to have. We were designed to have community, to have social connections. And it's actually one of the most powerful things we can do. When we look at people who live, you know, the longest, healthiest lives in the world, community is a core aspect of their day to day. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the top thing that you're doing to, to nurture community right now? So a big thing that I'm doing is I'm changing the way that I I practice medicine. So originally, most of my work was done one-on-one. And in the past year, I've created different programs and offerings to bring groups of women together so that we're not working just one-on-one. We're actually working in groups of between kind of 15 and 20 women. Um, And we have the group that kind of works together over the span of several months. And the advantage with doing that is that the level of conversation that we can have in those groups is always far richer and deeper than anything I'm able to do, you know, in 30 minutes or even an hour in my Mm -hmm. office. But the, the level of, um, you know, insight when women realize that they are not alone, that other women are dealing with the same types of concerns and fears and issues that they have. I think that it, it makes that comforts people quite a bit And then when women start to share their stories, like it's just, it's so healing for the woman sharing. It's also so amazing to watch the other women kind of respond Mm -hmm. to these stories. So it's just been um, incredible in my experience to see, you know, how much change we can affect in people's health, both physical and mental and emotional when we bring women together. And you know, it's it's very recent that we live in such independent and isolated Mm. ways. We used to live with extended family members. We were close with our community. We had help with raising our children. (laughs) We'd help with everything, right? Right. And now we all live with our like very small households. We don't want to ask for help. We feel like we should be able to do it all ourselves. Um, And that asking for help is somehow a sign of weakness. And I think we're really paying, we're paying a very high price for that type of living. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so powerful just to kind of think of, you know, can I reach out to someone? And and with COVID, with the pandemic, it's really put that that burden on on parents or just families in general of we are isolated, we are feeling alone, and even more so when you're okay. So you can't connect with another household. It's just mm-hmm. it's just been so hard. 
Yeah, I love that. I I know that the power of community is so important. And even something simple of like sharing something that someone else said on, on Instagram just brings this sense of compassion and validation for people where they didn't know that they needed it or mm-hmm. they're surprised or they don't feel alone in their experience. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah, agreed. So knowing that your area of specialty is working with women, also working with stress, Mm -hmm. let's talk about what stress is doing to women right now. Sure. So the first thing I I think we all need to acknowledge and fully understand is how high our stress levels are right now. And one of the things I'm seeing in my practice is that everyone, you know, in a a kind of um, brain on the brain level, you know, intellectually, they understand that there's stress, but I think they haven't realized to what point it's having an impact on us, you know, physically, mm-hmm. mentally on our health. Um, and this is a, the, this is a specific and special type of stress in the sense that it's a new stress that most of us, this is nothing that we've experienced in our lifetimes. It's also highly stressful because it is unpredictable. We don't know how things are going to develop from one day to the next or one week or one month to the next. And there's also no end in sight, right? There's no real Mm -hmm. resolution that we're aware of. So for the past, I think we're at eight months now, Mm -hmm. um, we've been living in a world where we have high levels of uncertainty and we have high levels of lack of control. And when we look at the two things that stress human beings out the most, it is those two things. It's the lack of control and the like unpredictability. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know, I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop 
engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. So first is just acknowledging that even if you still have a great job and you still have a great relationship and your kids are safe and healthy and everything is, you know, relatively the same, it doesn't mean that you're not being impacted significantly by what's happening in the world. And the thing is that most of us were highly stressed before COVID, mm. right? So most of us came into COVID already a bit burnt out, already a bit stressed out. Most of us were kind of already hanging on by a thread. We maybe didn't have the best coping mechanisms for just our regular day-to-day -day stress. And now we've added this whole new layer of stress that we're now being asked to deal with. And this is really stressful for our system. And again, our brain is designed to scan our environment for threats. This is how the human species survived is that our brains are really good at always looking out to see if there's any threat. So you can imagine right now, if you are on social media, if you're watching the news, if you're reading the newspaper, if you're just you know living life on planet earth right now, your brain is being sent all kinds of danger signals. And as soon as that happens, that triggers kind of a cascade or a reaction in the body that we can talk about what that would look like. But mm -hmm. for, for women in particular, again, we were bearing a lot of stress before. We are also bearing the brunt of the pandemic. Women are much more likely to be uh, unemployed right now. So we actually have the mm -hmm. highest levels of female unemployment that we've had, I think, in the past 30 years. Mm -hmm. We've got women doing, you know, a larger share typically of caregiving, often working full-time, you know, employed work plus full-time parenting. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got the lack of community and support that we just talked about. So we, we basically have created this like perfect storm of all the stressful factors that we could ever put together. And we're all living kind of in that, in that soup right now. Yes. Um, and we're seeing the impacts. And what I'm seeing, and I'm sure you're seeing as well, is that mental health is definitely part of what's suffering. So anyone right. who had anxiety or depression before, a lot of them are having an aggravation or worsening of their mm -hmm. symptoms. People who never had anxiety or depression before are now seeing signs and symptoms of that. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing more insomnia, which is very common among women. And then I'm also seeing a whole bunch of hormonal disruption. So finding that women are having much worse PMS, their periods are more unpleasant. Um, and I actually was speaking with a patient the other day who's like, I already went through menopause and I feel like I'm going through menopause oh, all over again because of the impact that the stress was having. It was just completely throwing her hormones Right. out of whack where previously they had been very well kind of managed and were, were not causing her any, any issues. 
Yes. And so when we go back to that stress response, if we Mm -hmm. don't have a way of turning off of that stress response cycle, then we know that leads to chronic conditions. And part of that is the development of mental health conditions, so depression, Mm -hmm. anxiety, but Mm -hmm. also um, other physical health conditions. Like, I mean, you can speak to that better than I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think you bring up a really good point. And, and I'll just want to reiterate, it's not that turning on the stress response is not the problem. Our bodies are designed to have a very good and robust stress response. The problem is that we're not recovering in between. Mm-hmm. So right now we're being triggered by stress all day, every day. And very few of us have our days and our weeks set up that allows for proper recovery in between. So that's what starts to cause stress over the long term is when that stress response is constantly being triggered and there's no like resolution or rest in between. And we absolutely do start to see kind of chronic health concerns. There isn't a single chronic disease where stress is not a contributing Mm -hmm. factor. But one of the things I think is really important for people to understand is that when your body is under stress, its main priority is survival, meaning it's going to organize everything that's going on in your body to allow you to survive. And it does that through raising and releasing stress hormones. And so what that means is that your body's going to send lots of energy to your heart so that you can literally run away or fight if you need to. It's going to send energy to your brain so that you can make a good decision and get out of there if you need to. And also to literally your big muscle group so you can literally fight or flee. And even though our stress, like, unfortunately, we can't run away from COVID or we can't Mm -hmm. run away from, you know, marital problems, your body still responds in the same way as it did when we were hunter gatherers. Mm -hmm. And and what's interesting too there is when we think, think about the threat, it doesn't actually have to be in front of you, whether you are mm-hmm. having that disagreement with your partner in front of you, it can also be in your mind when you call, yes. when you recall that disagreement or you recall that distressing conversation with work, or if mm-hmm. you lost your job and you recall that moment, that it's not actually, it doesn't have to be the physical thing in front of you. It's also inside of your mind that can trigger that stress response. Absolutely. You got it. And, and humans, we have a very special gift that we're able to create stress right inside of our brains, um, which, which is, and again, the brain doesn't know the difference. So whether you are in a car accident right. or whether you're replaying, you know, how you felt in a car accident, it, it, both of those are going to trigger a stress response. So yeah, you're yes. absolutely right. Yes. So and so important. when we're in that like fight or flight response, because the body is picking and choosing what parts are helping with survival, there are several parts of the body that are not going to get a whole lot of attention. A few of the areas that are important to know about are your hormones. So when your body is feeling stressed out, the last thing it wants for you is to become pregnant because you are much less likely to uh, have a healthy pregnancy, pregnancy and your baby is less likely to be healthy if you become pregnant or are pregnant during highly stressful times. Mm. So the way that this manifests, and I'm sure a lot of women listening are going to relate to this, what do we see? We see our libido or our sex drive is tanked. It's yes. low. Women are like, I don't understand why I have no sex drive. And I'm like, I do understand why you have yes. no sex drive because you are highly stressed all the time. And your body is actually trying to protect you by shutting down your sex drive because it really doesn't think that pregnancy is a great idea for you right now. Mm -hmm. It it is one of the 
biggest things that women need to address is their stress. You know, they they often show up in my office saying, I'm, you know, I don't want to have sex, I have low Mm -hmm. sex drive, um, Mm -hmm. or as a couple unit and, and stress is a huge factor of this. Totally. And like, I kind of, you know, as a way to like make it lighter is if you were literally running away from an animal, if you stopped to have sex, like you wouldn't survive very long, right? So (laughs) it just from an evolutionary perspective, your sex drive is only going to show up when you feel relaxed enough Mm. that it would be safe for you to potentially get pregnant. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy. Um, We're also going to see lots of hormonal symptoms, which I alluded to a little bit earlier, right? So we're going to see a lot more PMS symptoms um, because when we're highly stressed, our production of hormones and one in particular, which is called progesterone, um, it tends to drop. And progesterone is the hormone that makes us feel calm and relaxed and patient. (laughs) And (laughs) when we're under stress, that hormone is often not going to be made in the same amount. So we're going to see a lot more symptoms in the week, you know, leading up to the period. We might see changes in the period where it's not coming on time or it's more irregular. Maybe it's more painful. Um, So we're seeing lots of different kind of hormonal changes that are the result of this stress response. Mm -hmm. The other areas that I'll highlight are digestion. Mm-hmm. That's so a big again, one. Stress. It's, it's huge. Again, if you're running away from a tiger and you stop to eat a snack or you stop to have a bowel movement, you're going to get eaten. So when your body's under stress, your digestion is not working properly. And I see this all the time. And I, I think this is true everywhere, but especially here in Ottawa with all of our government workers, no one takes a lunch break, right? Yeah. We're all so busy and we're all so important that we cannot afford 30 minutes to take a break. The problem when we do that is that when you're eating and your body feels stressed out, it's really hard for you to digest your food properly. Because again, your body is not sending energy to your digestive system. It's sending it to your survival mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And so it, it doesn't matter how healthy your lunch is. I don't care how big and beautiful your salad is. If you're eating it in a state where you're highly stressed, you're much more likely to get indigestion. You're much more likely to get gas and bloating, much more likely to get kind of irritable bowel symptoms. And it has nothing to do with the food. It actually has everything to do with the state of your digestion when you eat. Mm. The the other thing I want to add there too is mm-hmm. even from you know thinking of that stressed individual deciding to eat their desk and working through their lunch, they often the story I often hear in my office is well I need to get more work done and mm-hmm. so I'm just going to plow through and we talk about how your concentration and focus actually improves when you take a break. And it's almost like I I had a client recently use the expression return on investment, right? So if you Mm -hmm. invest 30 minutes in yourself, take a lunch, go outside, walk around the block or or your house or whatever it is, that you will come back and be more productive and more focused than if you decide to just sit and eat at your desk and plow through. Absolutely. And I I saw this posted somewhere the other day and it was like, we are not designed to work for eight hours in a row. Mm -mm. We're not robots, but yet we've created a work, you know, uh, workspace and a kind of way of working that acts as if we're going to be productive eight hours a day. It doesn't matter how healthy and, and how well you eat and how much sleep you get. No one is going to be productive and well, you know, fully concentrated for eight hours. We absolutely need to take those breaks because it does, it does allow us to kind of come back more fresh and kind of more concentrated afterwards. 
I'm sitting here thinking I need to start <laughs> reevaluating <laughs> my Mondays because Mondays I always make this long to-do list and mm-hmm. I have this grand wish of getting everything mm-hmm. done. And then I leave feeling disappointed, thinking that, you know, I didn't get that as done as much as I wanted to. And I wasn't productive when actually it's that truly you can't work for eight hours straight and you don't, and you have to make sure you manage all of the other things within your day. And it's that trap of what are your expectations doing to contribute to your stress? Mm -hmm. The, the other thing that I've, I've realized this about myself this year is for me, how much of my worth, my self-worth is tied to my productivity. Mm. Oh yes. And so, and it sounds like you're similar where we make these like massive to-do lists. And if we don't achieve a certain level of productivity in a day, we feel that we haven't done enough, that we were lazy, that we were, you know, excerpt whatever word you want to use. But so much of us are, you know, are tied to this idea that in order to be worthy, we need to be highly productive and it's, it's harming us in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's a big one. I can absolutely relate to that. And yeah. this ability to learn to just be mm-hmm. rather than to keep doing and thriving. And and it's hard. And especially mm-hmm. as women who tend to be the natural caregivers, um, we're just taught to do all the time. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, and I, it, it's not easy. I'm, I'm, I'm a major work in progress on this front. But again, I think just having that awareness that like, it's okay to not have, you know, full energy and concentration eight days or sorry, eight hours a day. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It means you're a normal human being and that you probably just need more timeouts and more breaks in your day. Mm-hmm. And maybe to set a more realistic expectation of what you can accomplish in one day. Yes, Absolutely. Um, the last kind of area I'll mention that gets uh, effect negatively affected when we're under stress is our immune system. And I think this is very timely, obviously, with what's going on right now. When your body is under stress, your immune system is not a priority because, again, your body is focused on immediate survival. It's not worried about whether or not you're going to have you know, a virus or something like that. So some of the ways that we'll start to see this manifest is people start getting sick more frequently. So they start catching every cold or flu that's going Mm -hmm. around the office, or they'll catch a cold or a flu and it takes them like three or four weeks to recover. Um, So that's another important piece, especially I think that is so relevant right now is that, you know, we're all very interested and (laughs) concerned about our immune health right now. And managing our stress is actually one of the most important things we can do besides obviously all the, you know, social distancing and other recommendations from public health. But I think we we need to be having a conversation about stress. And the other thing is that one of the pitfalls of our, you know, our social distancing is that again, if people do start to feel isolated and lonely, that has a negative impact on our immune system. Right. Um, So we want to be really mindful that, you know, we're respecting the rules, but that we're making sure to engage with our community um, in different ways so that we are not getting into that sense of loneliness or isolation. In some ways, it's accepting, I've kind of been toying with this idea, but accepting that the virus is here, that COVID Mm -hmm. is here, and that Mm -hmm. we need to find a way of living with this. This doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to wait until I can sit in the bar um, in Ontario. Our bars have just closed again, Um, or well, Ottawa and Toronto specifically. Um, But it's not about waiting until we can go back and return Mm -hmm. to that. But now it's about finding 
what we can still do within our limitations. So having that FaceTime chat with Mm -hmm. the group of friends or texting a friend or leaving voice messages for each other, that's Mm -hmm. that's all really important things that we can do. Sarah, the immune system is so fascinating because when I always think about stress in the immune system, I'm always amazed by how someone can go through a deliverable or, you know, I often think mm-hmm. of my thesis, you know, putting, putting all of the work I did near the end of my dissertation. And then as soon as I submitted it, just crashing and getting sick after, but I didn't get sick during it, but mm-hmm. immediately after, or we see that with students, right? So for students, they don't get sick during exam period, but after their last exam, they're sick, they get the cold, and then they spend mm-hmm. vacation being, being sick. Totally. And part of that is when we're in those very highly stressful situations, we're literally, we're running off cortisol and adrenaline. Like we're Mm. literally just surviving off stress hormones, which allows us to do those things and to survive those stressful events. But again, that's coming at a high cost and the amount of resources and energy that the body requires to stay in that state for prolonged periods of time is huge. So as soon as you, as soon as the, that immediate stress goes away and the body realizes that it's like safe and doesn't need to be in that you're going to crash right you're going to see that crash and that's where people get sick because now you're paying the price of what it costs you to actually get through that you know that dissertation or exam period um, without getting sick during it so you're, you're just it's it's a delayed kind of price that you're paying support for today's episode comes from zocdoc we all know there are things in life we have to compromise on like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week okay in all seriousness but when it comes to your mental health there is no compromise so we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now we don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. And what happens if we keep having this high level of cortisol? What, what happens in our bodies? Mm-hmm. So when we have high levels of cortisol over time, the body will eventually start to, um, to kind of show signs of breakdown because we're really not designed to be in high stress over time. So one of the things that we'll, um, we'll often see is that people will eventually start to get kind of symptoms of burnout or kind of this like chronic fatigue type picture. And that's because the body has used all kind of available resources. And now it's almost like forcing the body to slow down so that it can recover. And so In the early parts, this will manifest as, you know, maybe trouble sleeping or getting good sleep, but waking up and not feeling rested. So you're like, I'm getting eight hours a day or eight hours Mm -hmm. of sleep, but I wake up and I'm like, I feel like I could sleep for four more. I need a nap in the afternoon. 
everything just feels really sluggish. And this is our body's kind of intelligence telling us like, you just spent a lot of resources getting through that stressful time. I need you to rest and recover now, right? So it's switching off that stress response and creating time for recovery. The problem is that no one listens to those gentle signals. <laughs> We're like, I don't have time for this. I'm going to drink the an extra cup sign. of coffee. Yeah, we <laughs> ignore all of that. Yes. Um, you know, we grab extra coffee, we do what we got to do, we plow through until eventually the body is like, I cannot handle this and that's where you'll start to see people fully burnt out where even just basic activities of daily living become very difficult people are requiring like 10 12 or even more hours of sleep every day Um, often they're unable to do their work they're unable to care for their family because they just become so you know depleted by by stress and the the kind of visual that I like to give my patients is thinking about your car and thinking about the gas tank in your car, right? Mm -hmm. If you are driving your car around with the pedal pushed all the way down and you're driving on the highway for hours every day, you're using up an enormous amount of fuel, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not refueling your your tank regularly, you're going to run out of gas, right? And then your car's not going to want to go anywhere. Well, it's the same thing with us. If we are living our lives like we're on fire, we never take time to rest and recover. Eventually that reserve is going to run out and then everything just becomes really, really challenging. So a big part of what, you know, I work with my patients on is let's start putting kind of fuel back in the tank through rest, through sleep, through some other strategies. But I'm like, we have to look at the way you're living your life, because if you don't change the pace at which you're operating and you don't change anything in terms of how you're, you know, utilizing and spending your energy, this isn't going to get better anytime soon. And uh, one of the things that was really shocking for me to learn at a conference a few years ago is that, so typically what happens when you have kind of prolonged periods of stress is eventually your cortisol, which is your stress hormone levels, start to drop and they actually become quite low. And this is actually the body's way of protecting itself because it's very damaging for us to have high levels of cortisol mm. long term. And so when we start to see this drop where there's low cortisol, this is when we start to see kind of this burnout type picture. Mm-hmm. And what research has shown is that women, if women are diagnosed with breast cancer and they also happen to have this low cortisol, they're much more likely to die from that condition. Oh. Yeah. So Interesting. I think that was really eye-opening for me. And it's not to scare women or anything, but I think it's to help women realize that stress is not just happening in your head, right? We tend to think of stress as like, mm. you know, worry or anxiety. Stress is happening to every cell in your body. And part of what you need if you're diagnosed with breast cancer or any other chronic condition, you need your immune system. Mm-hmm. And again, your immune system is not there for you if you've been chronically stressed out. So I think it's not just, you know, to to help women have less anxiety and, and worry. Those are also very important. But it's also like, what are the long-term consequences of living in this highly stressed type Mm -hmm. situation um, and how does that impact our you know our health and literally our our survival I I I shared this on another podcast episode but I I can remember my own experience and can I label it adrenal fatigue yeah um, where where truly I was I was doing all the right things I was getting eight hours of sleep Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably, I would know I was working too much, but I was still able to push out projects, um, working too much. I was still going to the gym. 
um, eating well, drinking the right amount of water. But for Mm -hmm. some reason, I kept getting dizzy in my workouts. Mm -hmm. So I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, well, so I better make sure I eat. Okay, well, I would eat. I would still get dizzy and I would still Mm -hmm. be short of breath. Um, and it took me a, a little bit of time until I saw my own natural path, but then mm-hmm. we talked about adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. And although I wasn't, I, I wouldn't say that I diagnosed myself as full on burnt out, but oh boy, I was draining my adrenals and mm-hmm. just running at a high level of cortisol that it just, could, my body just could not keep up. And even though in my brain, I knew I was stressed, I was still doing the, yeah, I'm supposed to be stressed. I'm a mom of two yeah. kids. They mm-hmm. were... I think there were 18 months and four at that point. And, you know, one of them had just gotten really sick. And yeah, of course I'm supposed to be stressed. This is, this is motherhood. This is what I'm supposed to have right. happen. But it, it really shook me up and had, I really had to adjust how I was doing things day to day. And it was, it was almost like the amount of stress I was experiencing wasn't balanced out by the amount of time or the things I was doing to kind of complete the cycle of stress, to, mm-hmm. to balance out the, the, um, the coming down of stress, the parasympathetic nervous system, to work through that. Yeah. Um, it, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. There's two things I'll comment on. One is how much we normalize stress, right? Because we see all the other women doing all the things all the time. We think we need to be doing that, which is not true. We're just, we're all highly stressed. Um, The second piece is that one of the telltale signs that your body is under stress is if exercise makes you feel worse. Mm. So if you exercise and you feel dizzy or weak or tired, or you need to like lie down after you exercise, that's because your tank is empty. And one of the things I see all the time is one of the ways that we try to combat stress is through intense forms of exercise. So people love spinning and CrossFit and running and, and those are great forms of exercise, but when your body is already depleted, and now you're doing intense forms of exercise, you're actually depleting that small reserve that you have to start with. Mm -hmm. So again, if exercise, if you do spin or running and it gives you a good high and you feel great, perfect, continue with that. If you're pushing yourself to get through your spin class and you feel drained and exhausted and dizzy after, it might not be the right type of exercise for you right now based on what's happening with your stress response. Ah, so important. Mm -hmm. So- one of the things I've been talking about with my female clients around managing stress, which also comes with the themes of perfectionism and high expectations, mm-hmm. is about learning to tune into our cycles yes. um, or the infradian system. Yes. And it's also something that I've been doing for myself. I've really been learning the infradian system, learning my own cycle to help manage my own productivity and workload and stress and mm-hmm. my overall well-being. Yes. Um, why, why is tuning into our cycles so important? It's important for a couple of reasons. I mean, one is that we are trying to fit ourselves into a world that was created for men, right? Mm. We expect that every day, no matter what day of the month is, that we should feel exactly the same and that we should feel good and productive at all times of our cycle. And that's part of what I think is causing so much disease and just general, you know, feelings of being unwell among women is that we're trying to put ourselves into a system that actually doesn't match up with us as well. Um, Because men have a 24 hour system, right? Whether it's Monday or Wednesday or Friday, or, you know, doesn't matter what day of the week it is, men are 
are going to have the same kind of hormonal picture. They're, they're not going to have huge fluctuations in their hormones, whereas women tend to follow more of a 28 ish day cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning you're going to feel and women already know this intuitively, you don't feel the same during your period than you do kind of around ovulation. And so once you can start to actually tune in and learn about what's happening, it allows you to have, I think, better expectations for how you're going to feel at different parts of your cycle. And it also allows you to kind of do what you said, which is to try to kind of move your schedule or create your schedule in a way that supports what's happening with your hormones, as opposed to trying to fight against it and feeling frustrated that things are not feeling good, you know, at different parts of, of the month. So hang um, on. So let, let's yeah. just say that one more time. Cause I, I sure. know there are many people that I work with that actually don't know this, yeah. that you feel differently Yes. And you're going to have different emotions. You're going to have different energy levels. Your hormones are different at different times of the month. Yes. Do you want me to kind of go through each phase? Yes. Like briefly? I would would love it if you did. And and I think it would be so helpful for people listening. Awesome. So the first part, uh, the first phase is our period, right? Mm -hmm. So this is typically the first like seven days of the cycle. Um, And this is where you're having your period and you're bleeding. And what's happening at this point is that your hormones are are at their lowest point, meaning both your estrogen and your progesterone levels are quite low, which is typically why during our period, we typically feel a little bit more sluggish. We're a little bit more tired. We kind of just want to like be a little bit more introverted. Um, because our hormone levels are, are quite low. On the so this is not the time to push yourself in that 60-minute no. spin class. <laughs> it is not. This is a time to like get a blanket and wrap yourself up. This is a right. great time to actually to journal because your menstruation, your period is also a time of letting go. Like you're physically mm-hmm. releasing your the lining of your uterus, but it's also a time of letting go kind of emotionally as well. And so it's a great way to just kind of let go of the month before and to start to really think about and plan what you want for the upcoming month. So it's a really great time for like journaling and planning out the month ahead. It's also a time where our left and right sides of the brain are most connected. So kind of our feeling and our thinking sides are really well connected. So it's a really great time to just, again, have a little bit more time for like contemplation and just really thinking about what it is that you want coming forward for the the next month. Mm, I like that letting go and then how you Mm -hmm. want to move forward. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The second phase is the follicular phase. And so this is once your period ends, your levels of estrogens really start coming up. And at this point, the body is preparing for ovulation. And ovulation is really the main event of our menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. We all focus on the, the end, which is the period. Mm-hmm. But really, the whole body is working to have ovulation because your body ideally wants us to procreate. It wants us to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so in the follicular phase, your estrogen levels are going up to help stimulate ovulation. And this is typically your energy levels start to come up, your mood starts to go up. Um, and that's because estrogen helps to make serotonin, right? And serotonin mm-hmm. is one of our good kind of feel good brain chemicals. Yes. This is typically where we're going to be more creative. This is a really great time to think big, to start planning. If you've got a project or something that you're working on, this is a great time to just brainstorm and think about what you want to create. Um, this is also a time where you're probably going to notice that your sex drive, if you do start paying attention, your sex drive mm-hmm. typically is going to start coming up because again, your body is trying to encourage you to have sex around ovulation. Mm-hmm. 
Then we have kind of the main event, which is ovulation, which is actually just one day, but typically we're going to have several days in and around ovulation. And this is where we get another peak of estrogen. And this is where we get a release of progesterone. So estrogen is one of the hormones that like gives us energy. It helps with our mood. I always say it keeps us juicy. Mm. Also like joint like, health, I, vaginal health, brain health. I like to say it's like putting on rose colored glasses. That, yes. You know, yes. I, I know when I'm ovulating because I'm walking down the street and everybody just is glowing and yes. beautiful and yeah. And you're, <laughs> and you're glowing and beautiful. So they've yeah. actually done research where women in ovulation, we are more attractive to others, both men and women. We, mm-hmm. um, we dress differently. We actually dress more provocatively. We actually move more. So we're literally just more active naturally. And we think that's because we were literally out like searching for a mate. <laughs> um, and this is a time, like if you are someone who does public speaking or you have a big presentation mm-hmm. or anything that is more social and kind of extroverted, this is the best time to do it. You're naturally going to be more, um, confident people are going to be more kind of attracted to you not necessarily you know sexually but also physically mentally this Mm -hmm. is a time to really put yourself out there also a great time to have sex because if you are trying to get pregnant that's the best time but even if you're not trying to become pregnant this is a time where hormonally everything is working to support uh, you know, sex and intercourse. And in terms of orgasms, I can't Mm -hmm. remember the research, but I think it's easier to achieve orgasm during this time. Is that? I haven't seen that, but I wouldn't be surprised. My favorite, go ahead. Or or it might be, it might be the arousal is easier, that it doesn't take as much to get aroused versus the next stage that you talked about. Um, it takes more time to become aroused. Totally. And one of the things that women might notice once they start paying attention is that around ovulation, you're going to get vaginal discharge that is clear and stringy and looks kind of like a raw egg white. Mm -hmm. And we'll often notice this because on those days, things just feel a little bit more juicy, a little bit more wet. And that's your, that's your fertile mucus. Like that's your, your body and your vagina's way of saying like, this is a really great time for intercourse Mm -hmm. um, because it does help with arousal. And again, it does help with um, pregnancy if if that's what you're, you're aiming for. Um, I was just going to say my favorite research I've ever seen on this is they, they studied exotic dancers and they made twice as many tips on the week where they were ovulating than they did on the weeks that they had their periods. That's great research. That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, after we ovulate, we go into the luteal phase. And then there's kind of two parts to this. The first week, usually in the luteal, so kind of right after you ovulate, you're usually still riding a little bit of the high of ovulation. So mm-hmm. typically, you're going to have another week where you're feeling relatively good. And then either you get pregnant. Or if you don't get pregnant, your hormone levels start to drop. So if the body senses that, you know, the egg was not fertilized, there's no pregnancy here, both your estrogen and your progesterone levels start coming down. And this is where a lot of women start to have PMS symptoms. And it's because if those hormone levels drop too low or they're not balanced with one another, we're going to start to have symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is a great time to like wrap up any projects that you're working on um, because the few days before your period is usually for most women, not a time where you're going to be super productive or very energetic. Um, This is a time where you kind of want to wind your projects down and you want to spend those first or those few days before your period. Just again, if you can take a little bit of time off, if you can just like 
delegate or remove stuff from your to-do list that Mm -hmm. isn't necessary to be there. You want to create a few kind of calmer, quieter days in that lead up to your period if you can. The other thing that's really important, and I'm sure you'll have lots to say about this, is setting boundaries to Mm -hmm. prevent irritation at this time. And one of the things that I've come to like call PMS is a time of no bullshit tolerance. (laughs) Because I really feel like most of the things that are coming up at PMS, the things that are pissing you off or irritating you about your partner, they're not just there one week out of the month they're always there. It's just most of us are able to suppress or ignore things when we're in other phases of our cycle, because we feel a lot better. And our hormones are helping us, like you said, to have rose colored glasses on. When those hormone levels drop in those few days before your period, those rose colored glasses are gone, and you're going to be irritated by anything that's been building up over the month. So really important to set those boundaries Mm -hmm. ahead of time so that Mm -hmm. you're not being triggered by everything. Oh yes, that's good. Oh, Mm -hmm. I have so much to say on that. I'm sure you Um, do. (laughs) So in terms of couples, I do recommend Mm -hmm. that your partner know where you are in your cycle Mm -hmm. because you're a partnership, you're a team and you want to know how you can work together. And so if your partner knows, okay, she's in the luteal stage, um, you know, this is kind of a few days before she's going to start to bleed Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to take it personal for whatever is coming up. And and actually this is something that we do in my own relationship, that my partner knows what my cycle is and Mm -hmm. that this is, um, this is like, this is helpful for us so that they know, Mm -hmm. okay, don't, don't add the extra things on right now. Let's help minimize some of the distractions or minimize the load that's on there and just kind of lay low. Um, the, the, And the example that comes to mind is kind of like the sock on the floor. Like the socks on the floor for most of the month don't bother me. It's Mm -hmm. fine. You know, I see it on the floor and I think, okay, there's a sock on the floor. You know, my partner was busy this morning on the way up to a meeting or got distracted doing this or, you know, great, put the sock in the laundry bin. But then in those three days beforehand, before bleeding or Mm -hmm. five days, whatever that is, it's the the sock is the biggest thing to happen Mm -hmm. in a day. (laughs) <laughs> and just knowing, having that awareness for, for myself, if I use me as an example, but mm-hmm. having that awareness for me allows me to just breathe through that and to work through it and say, okay, I can label this. I know why this is bothering me right now. I know why mm-hmm. this is a trigger today and that yeah. it's not most of the other times. And so right now I'm just going to let that go and I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on something else. And, you know, or if it is something that's bothering me throughout the month, then again, that's a conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm wondering what, what comes to mind when you think about setting boundaries? What kind of boundaries do you set around that time? It could be something as simple as like, who's making dinner on those days, right? Mm. It's who is picking up and doing drop off if you have kids, who is putting the children to bed, like Uh all of those. I know for me, those are things that can add a lot of stress in my day, especially on a day where I don't have a lot of energy to start with. Um, So I think having those clear conversations, the best time to have these conversations is not in the moment. It is around ovulation where you feel, you know, glorious and amazing and confident. (laughs) Which is a time we don't tend to have those conversations. I know. Well, we're too busy, you know, having sex. But, um, you know, (laughs) having those conversations when things are going well tends to just go better, I think. Um, But it also, you're being proactive that you're not waiting for things to get a bit irritable a couple days before. Um, If you do have control over your work schedule, 
as you said, I try to keep these days lighter mm-hmm. or if I accidentally overscheduled myself and I feel tired, I, I, I at least know, I know why. Mm-hmm. And I also know it's not going to last long. Mm-hmm. So I think part of what we see for so many women is a frustration around hormones and we feel like we got the short straw or that it's a curse that we have PMS or that we have periods. But when you start to actually understand your cycle you know, yes, there are days or weeks that are more challenging, but you also have weeks where you're going to feel incredible. And men don't have that. Sure, they Mm -hmm. don't have PMS, but they don't also, they don't ovulate. They don't get the high and the surge that we get from having that. So I think, yeah, the more awareness we have and the more you can track and understand this, it really is amazing kind of to start to see the changes. Um, And I also love that it just, it reconnects women to their bodies. And part of what I think stress does is again, because we're so busy, we are so disconnected from our own bodies. We have no idea what's going on. We ignore the, the, the gentle signs, either because we don't hear them or we're too busy to acknowledge them. And so I find this is such a simple but powerful way to get women tuning back into their bodies so that they can start to understand what their own kind of rhythms and patterns are so that they can create, uh, you know, a, a schedule or a work or kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a life that aligns with, with their own patterns. I find knowing my cycle, and this is a conversation I've been having with clients as well about where they are in their cycle, is this really, it's a gift of permission Mm -hmm. that instead of continuing to hold yourself to these high expectations or demands, you're listening to your body and, and learning what it's telling you. So, you know, for myself, I used to put myself on a lot, I would have put a lot of pressure on myself to have, be social and to con- just continue to socialize mm-hmm. um, in the days before bleeding. And I, I realized that's, that's the last time I want to socialize. And so now I'll go out for a gentle walk. And if that thought comes into my mind that says, oh, you should reach out to, you should see, mm-hmm. don't forget to contact, I can remind myself, hey, this isn't the time, but you can do that in another week or so. Exactly. Yeah, it, it ideally it takes the pressure off, right? It takes the uh-huh. pressure off feeling again that we need to do everything all the time um, when that's really not how how we're designed. And I just want to quickly comment if women are listening and they don't have a cycle anymore, or um, if you're on mm-hmm. the birth control pill, you actually you kind of lose this this yes. specific cycle of hormones. But what you can do instead is actually start to look at the moon cycle. And so I'm so glad you brought it up. (laughs) Okay. I was like, I'm hope it's okay to talk about. Oh yes. I'm so glad there's research there, right? There's research to support what what goes on. We are all part of like, you know, planet earth and human nature. So we are, we are affected by moon cycles. Um, So the way that I encourage women who either are on the pill or pregnant or don't have a cycle anymore is to use the moon cycle. And so typically the new moon is associated with menstruation. So if you don't have a period anymore, you would use the new moon as your guide. And that would be kind of this first part of your cycle. Um, And the full moon is typically going to line up more with ovulation. Um, And so you might notice that you're going to see some of these changes kind of with what's happening around the moon. Um, And one of the things that's really cool that you might also notice is if you do have a cycle, see how it lines up with the Mm -hmm. moon cycle. Um, And so some women, again, a lot of women will get periods around the new moon and ovulate with the full moon. Some women have the opposite where they Uh get their periods at the full moon and ovulate with the new moon. But that's another way that you can start to tap into this 
energy, even if you don't have a cycle anymore. Mm-hmm. And that it doesn't, that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you if you don't ovulate during no. the full moon. Yes. I mean, Absolutely. we all need to cycle at different times. And I think I had heard someone give the analogy of it's like um, as caregivers, right? That we're all just taking turns caring at different times. And that's, that's what helps to make the world go round. So that's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and also noticing your own energy levels too around the different parts of the moon. So noticing what you know, what kind of feelings you have when it is a full moon mm-hmm. um, and where you are in your cycle and what kinds of plans and events you are having around that time. It's really important. Yeah, where, where should someone start if they're kind of just learning about this for the first time, mm-hmm. n- not really sure what their cycle looks like? What would you tell them to do? I would start with just tracking and that's where you'll start to be able to see different patterns. So the, um, the app that I like is called my flow and it was actually created by the woman who kind of made mm-hmm. this infradian rhythm. Who's Elisa VD, who's written two excellent books on the topic. Yes, they are great um, books. They are really good. So her app is called my flow. And so you can start to track, uh, when you get your period. And then what happens after a little while is like, I'm looking at my calendar right now. Um, you'll start to see kind of where you are in your in your cycle mm-hmm. and you can you can input for all the different days you can input different symptoms that you're having um and then it starts like I literally get text mess I get like an alert on my phone you are now in ovulation you are now <laughs> so it's like it's just another reminder that I'm like okay like right now I'm in yes. the kind of mid part of my luteal so I know like by next week I'm gonna be like winding things down and mm-hmm. I'm gonna want to take it easy um So that's a great place to start is literally just by tracking and just most women don't even pay attention to their periods or cycles necessarily. And so if you do that for a few months, you'll often start to see some of these patterns emerge and to see kind of how it's showing up for you. Mm -hmm. What would be, let me just first say this is all of the information I wanted to share with listeners because I, I, I have seen the impact of uh, cycle tracking, uh, cycle syncing, I think is the, the word that Alyssa uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just understanding the impact of that on my work and my energy levels and how I show up um, mm-hmm. and for myself, how I show up for myself, but also how I show up with my partner or my friends mm-hmm. and at work. And, and honoring that, it, it is truly a an honoring of what my body is doing and listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Sarah. I'm so appreciative of you going through this. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll just kind of finish by saying, I think what motivates me and what drives me to kind of teach this work is essentially what I feel that we're doing is we're reconnecting women to their intuition mm. and women have a very strong sense of intuition, but we've created a world where we delegate and we outsource everything, right? Hmm. We wait for doctors to give us a diagnosis or tell us what's wrong with us. We expect a nutritionist to tell us what to eat. We want a trainer to tell us how to exercise. And part of that is because we've completely lost trust in ourselves and we've kind of been disconnected from that intuition, which actually is the best person and the best guide to tell you how, you know, what works well for you. Um, So I think, you know, cycle syncing and just starting to pay attention to your cycle is such a great way to tune inwards and to actually start to reconnect to that intuition. And once you reconnect to that intuition, it's incredible how wise she is. She will tell you when you need to rest. She will tell you when you need more sleep. She'll tell you everything you need to know 
you know, it's a question of whether or not we're going to listen, but at least Um, once you kind of reopen that conversation, women are able to start to get those signals. And I think it just builds our self-confidence when we know that we have all the answers that we need inside of us and not to discount working with any of those professions. Obviously I do work in this area too, but Mm -hmm. the work that we can do together is so much richer when women have this this intuition and they, they already know what they need to do. We just help guide them in order mm-hmm. to help them do it. And um, that's a big part of what we do. So I mentioned, I'm doing a few women's groups and one of the groups that I'm uh, running is something called the wild collective. And this is a, uh, a group of women that meets for 10 consecutive sessions. And the first session we teach exactly this is we teach cycle syncing and we help women reconnect to their intuition And then we help guide them through learning about all the different parts of their physiology. So how their body is working and how they can connect that to intuition to start to advocate for their own health. Because again, you know, the answers are inside of us. Mm -hmm. We just, we need to to learn how to listen again. It's, it's the way I work with clients as well. Clients Mm -hmm. will ask me, you know, what what should I feel or how should I respond to this? Or is my need okay? And, Mm -hmm. and our work together is often about guiding you to your own healing and to listening to what, what feels right for you and what you need, not from all of the scripts that we have from our childhood experiences and Mm -hmm. from society and from cultural experiences. It's, it's truly knowing yourself Mm-hmm. fully. What yeah. would be your top tip if you could give the listeners one thing that they need to be doing right now? I know one's just hard. <laughs> no, that's okay. I actually thought of one. Uh, it would be to do something every day that like sets your soul on fire. Mm. I think so many women's days are created by someone other than them, meaning our days are filled with activities that are for others, that were put in there by others, whether it's our boss or our kids or other family members. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why women are, you know, drained and exhausted and often depressed, um, is that there's, you know, there's nothing in our day that's for us. So even if it's five minutes a day, um, for example, I did a puzzle last night. I love doing puzzles. They just, they make me really happy (laughs) and I put music on. So (laughs) like, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to involve anything complicated, but you need to have something every day that is for you that brings you joy. And it's amazing how that can help calm the stress response, which we talked about, Mm -hmm. um, and just help you feel like, you know, healthy and happy and really contribute to your health in a positive way. And it doesn't have to be saved until the end of the day. I I know sometimes (laughs) I I do that with myself. And what actually I did last night was I said to my partner, I really need to, I need to work out. I need to move my body. It hasn't Mm -hmm. been moved enough and I need to get you know, feelings and stuff out. And so instead Mm -hmm. of being around to do dishes, I left that with him and Mm -hmm. didn't wait until the end of the night so that I could prioritize me. And, and that's so important. Yeah. I love that. I've recently been tuning into this urge to reconnect with playing the piano. I haven't played Mm -hmm. for so many Mm -hmm. years, but I'm feeling that sense of creativity and wanting to just like you said something that sets your soul on fire yeah and that's your intuition right that's your Uh intuition like whispering being like yes I would like you to play the piano so and then I have to listen to it and then we have to listen (laughs) and take action that's that's the harder part but you know just that that reconnection is is huge and once people start to like pay attention and and Uh also just to stop asking for permission or to apologize Mm -hmm. for having needs like 
it's great that you were like, I need to do this and I'm going to make it happen. So mm-hmm. I need your support right now. Um, I think we need, we need more women who, you know, feel comfortable asking for what they need and not mm-hmm. apologizing or asking permission. You know, our needs are just as important as everybody else's. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and in some ways, not necessarily having to ask. One of my mm-hmm. Instagram posts got a lot of attention when I said, instead of asking to take the shower, just go and take the shower. Mm-hmm. And I remember before posting that thinking, oh, you know, is this a little too harsh? Will people understand it? And women were like, yeah, why do I ask permission to have a I shower? I know. I, I'm laughing because on the weekend I was at Costco with my partner and I saw pineapples and I was like, I would, I'd like a pineapple. So I was like, should we get a pineapple? And then literally before you had a chance to answer, he's like, no, I don't, I'm not asking permission. I'm just getting a pineapple. And he was like, yes, you don't need to ask if you want to get a pineapple. But we do this like in so many areas, in right? Like so many if ways. I want a pineapple, just get a freaking pineapple. We don't need to ask permission for that. We do not. Okay, no. Sarah, I know you have another group coming up. You've got some pieces of work. I really want you to be able to share what, what's mm-hmm. coming up for you. So in November, I will be launching the next uh, group for our Wild Collective program. Mm. Um, so if you want more details on that, the best place to connect with me is on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at um, Sarah Vedbankar, which I'm sure we'll post in yes, the show notes. I, I will have it in the show support. notes and I will post it on my Instagram as well. <laughs> Perfect. And then the other group, which I will likely be running again in January, is my Happy Thyroid Reboot. And this mm. is a program specifically for women who are dealing with thyroid conditions. Um, and it's, it's another group program where we really focus on the kind of foundational lifestyle pieces that really help to support um, women to have more energy through, through helping with their, their thyroid health. And a big part of what we talk about is, uh, is stress. That's one of the big yes. pillars that we address um, and looking at the importance of rest as well. That's great. Mm -hmm. Great. So I will put all of the links in the show notes. I will post it on Instagram as well so people can find you. I am... I feel so filled up having the opportunity to sit with you today and have this conversation. I, it's been such an important one for myself, but also just, I, I know so many women need to hear this conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so glad to have this conversation. And that's a big part of my mission is, is using my voice to speak for women and to help them kind of navigate this, this piece of themselves. Mm. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that women will will respond to uh, to what we've chatted about. It was, yes. uh, it was a pleasure having this conversation with you. Thank you so much, Sarah. You're welcome. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for the care of a licensed mental health care provider. Until next time, have a great week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.